Well, welcome to the Faithfully Entrusted Podcast with pastor, author, teacher, Dr. Travis Tyler. I'm Zachary Pugh, and I will be your host today. And joining us again this week is our good friend Brent Snyder from Locust Grove Baptist Church in Weaverville, North Carolina. He was uh, on with us last week when we did the Reformation Podcast. We hope you enjoyed that podcast. If you did not listen to it, go back and check it out. Uh, and we also did a podcast on Halloween, uh, if you should celebrate Halloween. So hopefully you listen to that, that we did that about a year ago. So that would be in the archives. Guys, thanks for joining me today. Brent, how are you doing over there in North Carolina? I'm good, man. We all survived the last one. So we thought we had a good thing going. We just <laughs> we tried <did>. again. <laughs> we did. We didn't. Uh, there were, we were on Zoom, so it's hard to throw things at each other. But uh, we did pretty good. Travis, how are, how are you today? I'm great, brother. How are you doing? Awesome. Awesome. Very, very good. Well, we want to celebrate something today. We want to celebrate something. Pastor uh, Pastor Travis has been at his church for 10 years, and that is a feat, period. It's a feat, period, and it's it's a feat in this day and time where pastors, unfortunately, are, are falling away, uh, unfortunately, from sin and things, but then also just quitting altogether because of how it's difficult it is. Yeah, and that's one of the things that I always wanted to bring to light in this podcast, and Brent, too. He's a pastor in North Carolina. What what our pastors have to go through is very, very difficult. Uh, they're under incredible stress of dealing with just difficult issues, deaths and sickness, uh, leading their churches, uh, worrying about the balance sheets, um, just all the things that they've got to deal with, coming up with sermons, teaching the Bible uh, through um, the difficulty of, of Satan and just how he tries to destroy things. And then the people that are there, who are supportive of these men also are sometimes the worst enemy of the men. So challenge yourself, uh, lay people out there. Uh, make sure you're loving on your pastor. Are you praying for your pastor? Are you encouraging your pastor? Uh, because they have a lot going on. They're men just like you and me. They're not perfect, uh, but they need our support. So Travis, congratulations on 10 years at your church. Uh, Elizabethan, um, how, how has it been in the 10 years? And we're going to kind of talk about that today. We're going to kind of talk about why pastors well, are falling away, but, but uh, congratulations. Well, yeah, I've been, I've been here 10 years and it's the longest I've been in one place. Um, I was in the church in Indiana for about seven, eight years, had a transitional year in between there and here. So I've, I've been in ministry for probably 22 years total. And there was another church prior to that, that I served. Uh, before the one I was at seven, eight years. And, um, you know, it being at a church long-term over a decade, uh, you observe certain things and you learn lessons and you learn lessons about the church. And so I just wanted to share some of those uh, this week uh, with us on the podcast to kind of help, not just it's just a reflection for me, and I hope that this helps not just other pastors, but people sitting in the pew. One, to understand a little better what your pastors are going through, and then two, to uh, uh, encourage you to reflect on these things as you sit in the pew, because I don't think these truths are just true for pastors. I think these truths are true for everybody. Mm, yeah. What would you say the number one challenge is? Before you give us the statistics across the country, what would you say the number one challenge is for you as a pastor? My knee-jerk reaction is we. This is not a rehearsed question. No, you didn't know and I was going to ask my, it. My internal battle uh, with myself, yeah, is yeah. always the hardest part of ministry. Uh, I have I have quit many times in my mind over the last decade. Many Mondays I have resigned, and um, 
for various reasons. Uh, just, you know, the setbacks wear you out. The uh, You think you're further along with different people in different areas than you are. And then you come to a realization at some point that this thing may never get where you think it needs to go. Mm. Yeah, that's tough. Brent, what about you? You're, you've been at your church, Locust Grove Baptist Church, for a couple of years, I think. Um, what, what's, uh, how long, why don't you give the, the, our listeners a little bit of background of how long you've been a pastor and, and what, what would you say your biggest challenge is? Yeah. So I have been at Locust Grove for two years. Um, before that I served uh, my previous church for just over seven years. And so, um, I, I would, I would agree with exactly what Travis said. Um, probably the hardest thing to deal with is, uh, failing to meet expectations that I've set. Um, and, and most of the time, uh, granted those are unfair expectations that I've either put on myself, I've put on the members of the church, or maybe even that I've put on God. Um, but then being able to, um, to sort of deal with not meeting those expectations, figuring out why not meeting those expectations. And then the second hardest thing, uh, is is seeing people walk away. Mm. Um, yeah, that's actually on here is one of the yeah. lessons today. You know? So I mean we 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 can get into that more. Um but but that's yeah uh, that's one yeah. of the that's one of the big deals to you. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's just hard to see. Now granted sometimes there's people that probably need to walk away and it's better for everyone, but uh that's not always the Brent case. Said it, I didn't. So yes. All yeah. Grace Baptist listeners, Brent said it, I didn't. Yeah. No, I heard a, well, I'll say it. I heard a pastor once say uh he had a member come up and say, "Pastor I've been praying about leaving the church." And he said, "Well, I've been praying about it too." So, um <laughs> <laughs> So there there you go. Um, all right, Travis, let's dive into this. You've been doing this for, for 10 years here in Elizabeth and Tennessee. What 20. are the 22 overall, but what, what have you learned specifically in the last 10 years of your ministry? Well, I would say, first of all, uh, patience and preparation. Um, you know, you, how long does it take to write a sermon? Well, if you're pretty good at it, you probably got your tools sharpened. You can churn one out eight to 10 hours. If you're really good at it, maybe four to five, you know, uh, if you've got the right tools and you know where to go. But the most effective sermons I think I've preached have actually taken years to prep for. And so, you know, that also expands to leadership capabilities, being able to read people in situations and knowing when to make adjustments. So being prepared to being prepared takes a long time, you know. Um, children of Israel did not get to go straight into the promised land. There were lessons to be learned in the wilderness. And many young pastors that may be listening to this, you're in your first church, you're getting your teeth kicked in. Uh, be patient and learn the lessons that God's having you learn right now. You Travis, some, you know, I, yeah, go ahead, Brent. Well, I was just going to say, as you were talking about that, uh, you know, several years ago, Travis, we were down in Alpharetta at the North American Mission Board headquarters for some revitalization stuff. And uh, I don't know if you call it the theme for that training or what, but it's something that's really stuck with me uh, from a pastor's perspective. I do think there's application here for the pew as well. Uh, but one of the things that they kept hammering was uh, preach, pray, love, and stay. And what you're talking about right now is being willing to stay uh, even even when it's tough. It's been interesting because I've watched so many pastors in my area leave 
over the last 10 years. I'm talking like 90%, nine out of 10 pastors that were pastoring here, maybe eight out of 10 since I've been here, they're gone, you know, and I've asked lots of them, well, when was the moment where you just said, I'm done. And, you know, really, as I listen to them explain it on, a, on almost every case without betraying their confidences, uh, they were setbacks. They were various kinds of setbacks of somebody left the church. Um, somebody was supporting their leadership push in the church, and then they switched on them real fast. Uh, they're all setbacks. And, uh, and it got them, you know, it was just, there was that, it was kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back and they just, they couldn't go on with it anymore. So, you know, it was interesting to me to see that. Um, I may write about that one day, but anyhow, which brings us to our next one, which is we have transient souls, but an eternal God. So, uh, people come and people go and God remains, you know, one of the things that's kind of interesting about church life is it's sort of like, um, I can't think of the Greek uh, sailor's name, uh, Themetius, maybe his ship, they brought it back from wartime. And as each board of the ship would rot, they would replace it with a new one until eventually all the boards from the original ship that was in battle had been replaced with new boards. And the question was, is that the same ship? You know what I mean? Uh, people come and people go, you lose people to death. You lose people because they, they just walk out on you and they usually don't walk out on you for great reasons. Um, selfish reasons are primarily what drives it. I would love to be celebrating my 10 year anniversary with a lot of people that I've seen die. Unfortunately, they don't have any control of that. I would also love to celebrate my 10 year anniversary with some members who left. And, uh, and it's hard because, you know, you ask questions and what's difficult about it is when people leave or when families leave, uh, you don't get much of a chance to grieve as a pastor. You just got to keep moving forward. And that's hard. Um, Dan White was a Baptist pastor in New York, and there's a podcast. We may stick it in the notes for this episode. Uh, and he describes what happened to him when he took a long overdue vacation. He had been pastoring through the pandemic, been pastoring through the last election cycle. People were divided. Some people come to him and they left the church because he was too liberal. Other people left because he was too conservative. And you just couldn't make everybody happy. And uh, he, his first day of vacation, he slept 14 hours straight. Next day, he got up, poured himself a bowl of cereal, and his hand was shaking so badly, he couldn't eat his breakfast. He couldn't get his hand to stop shaking. So he went to the doctor. They ran a series of tests. You know what they found? He had PTSD on the same level as a war zone. He had nothing else wrong with him physically, but his it's the unseen damage of this one, of, of broken relationships, and people don't want opportunities to mend those. It takes a toll on pastors. It takes a toll. It's the unseen damage. Uh, he ended up counting 180 different lost relationships due to death or people leaving the church, and I'd say probably at least half of those are people leaving the church. And uh, those losses, they, they take a toll on pastors. They do. So... Uh, you've got to really lean into dependency on God in those moments because you have to keep leading. You have to keep preaching. You know, it's not like a lot of, you know, a lot of times when people die or people leave, you know, you're mourning just like the rest of the people, but the rest of the people in the church don't have to get up and give another sermon and, you know, give another Bible lesson and lead with a, where we're going next. Like, it's sort of like in war when your best friend gets shot standing next to you, you don't get time to mourn the death of that fallen soldier next to you. You got to keep shooting. And 
um, that adds up over time. That's unseen damage done to a pastor, you know? So why do you feel that is like what from a, from the help, help the, uh, people sitting in the pews understand why is that so hard? Cause, cause I think a lot of people would say, well, there's, you know, a lot of those church members maybe are difficult and maybe they're doing you a favor by leaving. Like why, why is it so hard? Is it just the fact that you don't get that closure? Like maybe you don't fully understand why they left. Well, sometimes you fully understand, but it's petty and it's, and it's an issue of, um, you, it's sort of like you ever had your children to get mad at each other and you say, okay, you apologize. I'm sorry, but they don't mean it. And they're not in a heart position to ask for forgiveness nor to work through the issues. They would just, people would rather cut and run nine times out of 10 in our culture, people would rather cut and run than they would sit and have a a hard conversation or even a slightly awkward conversation. And people don't take, I mean, I'm just going to be very honest and bold and say, people don't take Matthew 18 seriously and, you know, sit down and come to a table and admit sin and admit wrong and then move forward. People are quick to be skeptical and judge and they're quick to jump ship. I think that's uh I think that leads lends itself to to really a charge for people in the pew. Um and I was the beneficiary of uh of a very wise pastor. Um there was a there was a couple that me and my wife were really close to at my previous church that left for the wrong reasons. Um they were upset with me for uh, the wrong reasons. Um Travis knows this story, particularly they were upset with uh, the way that uh, the emphasis that I was putting on the Great Commission, which I know to some may sound crazy, but either way, they were frustrated with it and they were leaving Uh, and they went to join another church and uh, the pastor asked them why they left. They told him and he said, I'm more than happy for you to join this church, but not until you reconcile the relationship with your previous pastor. And if you reconcile that relationship and you go back to your home church then that's wonderful. But if you reconcile the relationship and everybody agrees that it's best for you to move on still, uh, then you're welcome to come here. And so I think that's a charge really to the church member. Um, Before you, before you leave mend men, amend that relationship, amending the relationship won't always mean that you stay, um, but it will mean that you've done uh, the biblical thing. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the reality is dude, here's the problem. And this is on here. This kind of goes together with it. I say on here, one point: be a be a con, be a producer, not a consumer. And like, we want to approach church in 21st century North America the same way we approach shopping for cell phone carriers. Well, I like the data plan at Sprint better than I like AT and T, so I'm going to switch over to Sprint. And the expectation is, well, pastors should just accept that because Sprint and AT and T do. Well, we're not sprinting AT&T. And furthermore, uh, this is not a cell phone contract. This is the body of Christ in a covenant community that's living life together. You don't live life together with Sprint and AT&T. They provide you a service. And, uh, you know, you can say what you want about it, but when people leave a church, that relationship that that pastor has with that family is forever changed. Um, you are not going to have near the time to invest or to keep up with them because you don't have an unlimited supply of hours in your day. 
I think, um, Travis, you brought up Matthew 18. And just for, for those who were, it's, it, I think you're talking about if your brother sins against you, Matthew 18, 15 through 20. Principles. Of it. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot, there's a lot in that text from Jesus there, but if you want to go read that, it's good. I agree with you. I, I think that, um, I think on the flip side too, like, I don't think churches, it goes both ways. Uh, but churches don't handle discipline correctly a lot of times, um, where they follow this as well, you know? So, um, definitely, uh, the first step is going to speak to your pastor and just saying, Hey, you know, in love, here's an issue I have, um, go study that, uh, folks, uh, Matthew 18, 15, go read that, those five or six verses there and, um, and see what that, that brings out for you. Cause there's definitely a right way to do things in a wrong way. I think that some of that though, I mean, do you guys feel like it's the world we live in today with social media? You can kind of come in with your B-52 bomber, drop your bombs and, and roll and you never face anybody. There's no seeing the white of the eyes anymore, right? Like you can just do everything in the shadows on social media. That's a problem, but that's, I've, before social media was as big as it is now, I, I common technique I would see is something I'd call shoot and run where you complain about this, complain about this. You know, you just keep shooting at the pastor and before he can address one issue, you move to another location, like a sniper working a tree line or something, yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> and so you never but, get but a that, What I'm saying though, is you feel like social media has made that easier for people. Like 20 years ago, yeah. they were doing it. But is it mm -hmm. is it even more? Have they have we all trained ourselves? Worse, the keyboard warriors have made yeah. it worse. It's easy to shoot things off behind the screen and never have a real conversation with somebody. Yeah. People will say stuff on a screen they'd never say face to face. Well, yeah. And we see it, we see it in sports and and everything else for sure. Like it, it's definitely a thing. One thing I wanted to bring up, um, you talked about the there was a survey done in in March of twenty two, um, which is kind of right after, right in the middle of the pandemic. I can't remember exactly, you know, I think it's after it's over. Yeah. yeah. But, um, 42% of pastors were considered quit, considered quitting. And there was a bunch of reasons, but the five top reasons were the stress of the job. That was 56%, uh, feeling lonely and isolated, which is just, is, is shocking, uh, to think that a pastor would feel lonely and isolated. We look and see him up there where everybody's looking at him, everybody's focusing on him, but how much true companionship and, and, Encouragement are you giving to your pastor? Uh, the political divisions, 38% was for that. And um, just unhappy with the effect that the role the pastor had on the, the church and the family was 29%. And then not optimistic about the future of the church uh, was 29%. So those are some sobering statistics. Um, and a lot of that has to do with, you know, encouragement. I One thing that I, you know, I think one of the things that God, one of the spiritual gifts God has given me is encouragement. Like, I, I feel like I'm a pretty good encourager of other people. And one of the things that I actually really pay close attention to on Sundays is at the end of the service, our pastor will kind of come down front and linger. And, you know, there's, we have, a, I go to a pretty large church. There may be one or two people. Some Sundays, nobody goes up and, and speaks to him or just says, Hey, great sermon. Thanks for the time you put in. Oh, and that's a, that's an awkward time. When you get done preaching a sermon, don't you think Brent, like you don't, you kind of don't know what to do with yourself after you've done that. You know, you're just sort of standing around and it's a weird time. But you don't know? you, but do you guys like you? I mean, does it help you to have, I try to, especially when we have guest speakers, we had an older guy speak a few months ago and I made sure I went up and just thanked him for being there. And, and like, does it may be an awkward moment for you guys, but do you appreciate that encouragement? Not somebody coming up and complaining about the sermon, right? Like, but some, cause I'm sure that does happen too. But like, do you appreciate that? B? 
Yeah, it's less. Uh, it's definitely less awkward than just uh, standing there alone and everybody uh, avoiding you <laughs> like the plague. You know, I mean, when it comes to like when it comes to compliments and stuff like that, especially right after the service. I mean, I appreciate it, but I don't really pay it much attention because people just don't know what to say besides a great job this morning. But uh, but Even you appreciate the. Do, what was that? Even if you bombed. Yeah. Uh, but you appreciate people just at least coming up to speak uh, or, you know, just uh, just a chance to shake just, hands. It, it, real quick before you go, it just it's interesting to me that both of you, I can see the trepidation in both of you guys about how awkward it is. Because, like, I don't sense that from a, being in the pew. Like, I don't sense that my pastor's up there feeling kind of awkward in the moment. But but it is, I mean, that's a, that's a little nugget of, like, truth from you guys. Like, you guys are a little bit off right there for a moment. I mean – you know, you poured your, if you're doing your job, you know, you have communicated the truth of scripture and the unique personality that is you. So it's a very, um, I don't know what the right word is here. It's a very vulnerable time. Yeah, right after That makes finished. sense. I never thought, never thought of it that way. And uh, is that, is that fair, Brent? You think yeah, it's a, Brent, you had something to add. Yeah, I think so. I mean, the way we've, um, structured our order of service the very last thing we do is sing and so uh while the when the worship team's up there it's a really good chance for me just to sort of take a deep breath um sort of sort of collect myself and something that's actually helped me is I, i've become more intentional about uh going and and seeking certain people out maybe people i didn't get to speak to before the service or something like that um just checking in to see see how people are doing and so uh, that that's something I've tried to do a little bit more, and then of course that time, uh, right after I'm done preaching, to um, just spend a little bit of time in worship through song and collect myself, um, because it's uh, it's it's the the tiredness that you feel after preaching is unlike any other tiredness, and so mm-hmm. it's just yeah. difficult. Just yeah. a spiritual warfare. I think that's something that people forget about. Yeah, uh, just everything. And it's awkward, and it's you know, and you got to like. You got to retool your brain because now you got to try to greet people. And that's a different mode of thinking than exegeting scripture. But anyway, mm-hmm. we've got to move on down the yes, list. Yes, do it. The next. Uh, divine provision. This is something that Pastor Ron Owens, who's now at home with the Lord, reminded me of. He would always tell me that God will send the workers that is necessary to do the ministry. And uh, I can remember, I don't know how many times I've had thoughts like, I don't know if we're going to be able to do this. This is probably going to be the conflict that's going to end the church or end my ministry or both. And yet God has provided what was needed financially with people and all these different things each time that we cross those bridges. I think Brother John Piper said that uh, Jesus said that, or he said that Jesus is the best friend that anyone will ever have, but he's not a replacement for friends here. And I think that's true. And I would argue that you've got to have friends in the church and friends outside the church. I remember as a young pastor, an older guy telling me, and he was somebody who was confessing his panic attacks. He would go throw up because he would have these bad panic attacks. And he said, you just can't have friends in the church. Nobody in the church can be your friend. Well, that sounds like a pretty miserable existence yeah. to me. Yeah. How about you, friend? But the, the people that you spend most of your time with, you can't have any of those people as your friends. Mm. Uh, I just, I don't believe that personally. And I don't know that Jesus lived that way when mm. he lived on earth. Do you, Brent? No, I agree with that. I've had very similar advice. Be careful about making friends in the church you pastor. And I, I don't, I, I think it's terrible advice. 
<laughs> yeah, I think so too. I think it leads to a lot of problems. Not to say that you don't have other friendships, like you guys are my friends, you're not part of my church. And those other friendships are critical too, because you sometimes you need friends that have nothing to do with the church or nothing to do with ministry. You know what I mean? And Yeah, they can just, come in and talk about the size of your church and how nice it is and everything else. Yeah, exactly. You know what I'm talking about, Zach. <laughs> Internal joke there. You know, he came to visit me, Brent, and he was like, you pastor here? I can't believe this place is so big. I can't believe this is such a large place. You're the pastor here. I was like, well, what do you think I had? A little old ramshack thing on the side of a mountain with an outhouse? I just was, I was proud of you. Like, we grew up together, and I, you know, I remember the little bitty Baptist oh, churches we were in. I'm like, he's here's this big, sprawling campus. I was like, you, man, the Lord has really worked in your life. This is amazing. Yeah. He man. said, you got electricity and everything over yes, here, man. This is nice. They had running water. It was, they had water fountains. Like, that's, like, <laughs> that's a big deal you know so no i'm not hating on elizabeth that i'm talking about I, I was it was a moment where i was like it was just it was i mean i was like dang travis you've like you you've you have a, a great church here like a really great beautiful I church and he took it the exact wrong way he thought well good lord what do you think i know well you know the people here are great I, i'll take the people over the facilities at grace anyway. that's right yeah that's what matters most anyway uh the next thing is facing opposition uh, this is a, you know, haters are going to hate. I want a t-shirt with those guys from the Muppets, you know, the, the hecklers from the Muppets that say haters are going to hate. Cause that, I mean, it, this doesn't matter where you go, Brent, you've got it there in uh, Weaverville. I've had it here in Carter County, had it in Indiana. Um, ministry has critics and opposition. The sad my wife, my is, wife, I face opposition at home every day. So easy now <laughs> better watch what you say you're gonna be, at one point she listened to this podcast i know yeah that's right on the i can say what becky doesn't listen to this so i'm i'm <laughs> clear i can say whatever she but uh but there are moments that you need unwavering faith in god one thing that we can say from the opponents you know paul when he was heading jerusalem was reminding the church at ephesus he said there's gonna be wolves that arise up and some of you will be them you know let's remember and then this is, I think, Brent, you'll agree with me when I say this, the greatest threats to a pastor's tenure and to a church, and in particular killing a church, I'm convinced of this, is not externally, it's internally. It's always internal. And when you think about what kills most human bodies, it's like heart attacks, it's internal failures of organs that, that kill most people. And it's the same thing for a church. You know, if the internal critics are not handled in a biblical way or not faced in a biblical way, it's either going to kill the church or kill the pastor's tenure there. Uh, I agree 100 percent. Yeah, absolutely. Um, sixth, and this has been one I've had to remind myself of many, many times. Uh, ownership really belongs to the Lord. It belongs to God. This is Grace Baptist Church. It's not my church. I'm a steward and a shepherd of it but this church belongs to the Lord. Okay. Uh, this is a fundamental truth that reminds us to lead with humility as pastors and that we're stewards of God's flock and caretakers of his sanctuary, that they, they're not ours. You know, I'll have people say, well, that's your church, isn't it? And I'll say, well, it's actually Jesus's church, but I happen to be the steward right now uh, is what I always end up correcting and telling people. And that's helpful. That's a helpful reminder for a couple of reasons, Right. Um, you know, we, we serve Christ and we're, we're putting on the shepherd's robe for a while, but we're ultimately a sheep too. And there'll be a day when God eventually calls us home 
and there'll be another pastor. There'll be another person living in our, our houses, you know, Brent, you got anything to add to that one? No, I think you've hit the nail on the head. I mean, um, super important. Mm -hmm. Uh, number eight is, uh, I, I would argue this one is, this lesson is for everybody and everybody needs to hear this one. Faithfulness in the mundane. This is perhaps one of the hardest challenges of the Christian faith. Man, I got to tell you, it's easy to serve God and be the pastor when things are blowing and going and you're seeing, you know, 10 baptisms a Sunday and givens through the roof and people are excited to be at church. And there's even, you know, I can remember when I was in Indiana and I was at a particularly difficult church, even in battling the wolves that I battled there in a very low time or it was hard, you know, foxhole ministry, there was a certain determination that that war sparked inside of me. You understand what I'm saying? Mm. But the hardest times to continue in faithfulness, in my opinion, are when things are mundane. So like things are not bad and things are not overly good. They're just continuing on at a pace. You see what I'm saying? Um, it's not, you know, there's no grand gestures. There's just the mundane task of ministry. Go see this older person as they're sick and dying. Go meet with this family for baptism. You're going to have one baptism this week. And, you know, these are all good things. You know, you wish you had 10 or 20, but you got to have a heart thankful for whatever baptisms you get. And every act of service matters in the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. But we can lose track of that because we're, listen, and 21st century Americans, Tennessee Vol fans, Carolina fans, we love the big show and we love big, big events. Most of ministry is mundane. Most of it. Travis, that's such an important point. You know, two perspectives here from a pastor's perspective. At my previous church, I was there five years before we saw our first baptism, and we had 27 baptisms in that six year. Um, but you don't get to the 26 baptisms if you don't go through the first five years, you know, but then the other side of that, just from the pew perspective, uh, we're so geared towards emotionalism that it's almost like we begin to judge every service, every event based on how emotional it was, based on how many people like visibly responded to a message, how many people said, amen, how many people raised their hands, whatever it is that's going on in your church. Um, and you're going to have some services that are pretty cool and are pretty impactful emotionally, but uh, you're going to have a lot of services that aren't, and they may feel mundane, but they're not mundane. They're incredibly important. And so um, I, I just say all that to say, um, don't judge how effectively the spirit is working in your church, even on a given Sunday morning, uh, just, just because there's not this like emotional response that you might be looking for or expecting. Yeah, I think that's I think that's really really good. Especially, um, I you know my Christian walk has been it's a roller coaster ride. You know, it's it's ups and downs. It's like, there's times where I'm more on fire and there's times where I'm not. And um, just remember, if you're coming to church and you're in one of your low moments, you know there might be somebody else who's in a high moment. You know, and don't 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 drag that down. I the emotional thought process from both of you guys, especially if you and Brett, like that's, yeah, I think a lot of churches and a lot of uh, church goers are going for that emotional experience. Uh, Travis, you said like we're, yeah, it's big events. We're circulated. We're just constant big events. 
um, we got to remember we're going to church to worship God. You know, you, you know, it's, you don't necessarily, should you get, get something out of it? Absolutely. But you're, you're going there to, to serve in a way. And uh, I think sometimes we forget that, you know, we're going there to be at the feet of Jesus. Um, so yeah, great stuff. Well, what's the last couple points here, Travis, as you wrap us up today? Well, unfortunately I'll have to do these quickly, but, um, the power of prayer, George Mueller's book is been life changing for me. If you're not familiar with him, Mueller talks about, you know, he ran an orphanage in Bristol, England, and he would only just give to God a prayer for the need of the day. And God would always provide whatever was needed for the orphanage for the day. And uh, prayer is the heartbeat of ministry. It sustains us, empowers us, it connects us to God. And through prayer, we find God in strength and the ability to preserve in challenging times. Brent, uh, one thing that sticks out in my mind is I thought about when we went to the North Carolina Baptist Convention a few years ago, I can't remember the brother's name that was retiring. What was his name? Um, you probably. Yeah, Milton Hollifield. I think your mic's off. Mil- Can you hear me now? Yeah. Okay. Mil- Sorry about that. Milton Hollifield. Dr. Hollifield was retiring out, and one of the secretaries, and I thought this was one of the best compliments I've ever heard of anybody in ministry, she said, I would enter into his office, and it felt like I was standing in hollow ground where, um, you know, God's presence was there because he was such a man of prayer. And, um, you know, in my ministry, one thing I've seen is prayer makes a huge difference. We had a guy, well, there's a whole episode on here about Jim Peters, I'd invite you to go back and listen to that and his prayer to ask for healing. And God gave him a one-year extension of life. And, you know, prayer is impactful, you know, and and God, people need to be a house of prayer, you know, is one of the things. And then finally, uh, eternal impact, uh, the impact of ministry. It extends beyond earthly lives. I mean, it doesn't pay great compared to many other things we could do for the amount of work that we do, uh, but there's no other job you can do that has the eternal impact. One thing I reminded our secretary when she came on board here, every soul that is saved, every heart that is comforted, every life that is transformed by the gospel has eternal significance, and none of that work is lost, even in death. And so we plant seeds when we trust God, and we bring the increase, and we trust His timing. And that's a critical thing there. So, Excellent. Brent, do you have anything that you would want to add as we close up on this? I just say congratulations to Travis for uh, 10 years of ministry there at Grace. Um, the faithfulness to, to stay uh, when it's good, to stay when it's been difficult, and, uh, and excited to see what God does the next 10 years. If or you, until his return, right? Or, or until his return. The episode, The Witness to a Miracle, is on Season 1, Episode 6. So if you want to check that out, it was a great podcast, and we hope you will check it out. Travis, do you have a nugget for us in closing? Of course I do. Of course I do. This is from Richard Baxter, who wrote the, um, the great book, The Reformed Pastor. And he said, endure hardship because it is the condition of your calling. Isn't that mm. interesting? Yeah. No, that's good stuff. Good, good stuff. Well, our email, if you want to reach out to us, is faithfullyentrusted at gmail.com. You can always check us out there. You can send us a note of encouragement if you want to, 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 to Pastor Tyler and Pastor Brent. And if there's prayer or if there's a topic you'd like to discuss, or if you just have feedback on one of the podcasts that we did, we would love to hear from you. So check that out. And uh, we appreciate Brent joining us. Brent, thanks for your time. And I know you're a busy pastor out there in North Carolina. We'll be praying for you. And uh, thanks for joining us today for sure. Yeah, guys, enjoyed it again. We survived another one. 
We did. We did. One last, one last thing I'll say is I know some of our members listen to this podcast. I just want to say I love Grace Baptist Church. All of you who listen to this, I know love and support the ministry that, that the Lord allows me to do here. And so uh, I'm just grateful that I could serve a church where I could stay 10 years. So, yeah. Awesome. I love, how big, I love how big it is. It's a big church. You do so, love that. That's your I favorite love, thing about it. I love it. I love that. So for Dr. Travis Tyler and for Brent, uh, we appreciate you listening. Thanks for so much for your time. Uh, share our podcast. Our podcast is wherever podcasts are, Spotify, iTunes. Uh, go grab somebody's phone and subscribe them to the podcast, uh, and we'll see you here in a few weeks. And we just appreciate the opportunity to open God's Word to find out how Christ has faithfully entrusted us with His Word. We will see you next time. God bless. Have a great day.